Welcome to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. I'm Bruce Wozniak, and wherever you have found the show, thanks for listening. This podcast is widely available, so know that there are lots of options out there to listen and subscribe. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Do be sure that you have also signed up there for the weekly e-newsletter about the podcast. There have been some exclusives in the newsletter that either have not been made public anywhere else or were at least first seen in the newsletter, so be sure you're signed up for that. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from just outside of Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just put out new music two months ago, which we will talk about today. He has also been working on more new music to be released next year. Despite the pandemic, he has still been and is performing, including dates in Tennessee, Virginia, Florida, Alabama. He had started off 2020 with shows in Texas, New Mexico, Minnesota, and Indiana. He has approximately 13,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and previously appeared on this show in the summer of 2017 on episode 183. You've been hearing a song of his called You're Not Gone. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Shelby Lee Lowe. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again, Shelby. Thanks for making time for this. Yeah, it's been too long. It's been a while. Well, let's start off by having you tell the listeners all about the song of yours that was just playing called You're Not Gone, especially since I was talking over it and they probably couldn't hear the lyrics as a result. Yeah, You're Not Gone is a, um, it's kind of got a Bakersfield vibe to it, and it's actually a song that I didn't write. Uh, A guy by the name of Ed Williams from Texas wrote that song, and uh, when my producer sent it to me, I knew that that was a song that I wanted to cut because it's, um... It's definitely got that old school vibe to it, and it's just about uh, it's about a guy coming to terms, trying to come to terms with um, the loss of uh, somebody he loves, you know, getting dumped, and um, pretty much he's convinced his old body that uh, that he's moved on or she's still there, except for his heart. Can't convince his heart, so. Uh, I thought it was a really well-written song, and it's it's uh, I, honestly it's probably my new favorite song to play out live at shows. Wow, wow! Now explain. You said it's got a Bakersfield vibe to it, and my bizarre mental rolodex of past guests on the show. I remember, and you may know her, but back on episode two forty-four, Ashley Taylor was on the show, and she we actually played a song from her called Bakersfield, but she was referring to Bakersfield, California. So what do you mean when you say that the song of yours called You're Not Gone has a Bakersfield vibe to it? So uh, I'm referring to like the, the Bakersfield sound of um, a lot of the artists that um, that I grew up listening to that were like Buck Owens and Merle Haggard and uh, Dwight Yoakam kind of fits that style too. And that songwriting that... Um, Red Simpsons, the, the the really, um, it's just got a certain kind of twang to it, and it's got a, its own type of vibe, and um, yeah, it, it was really made made famous with you know Buck Owens and those those guys out there. But it's just got kind of a, um, it's just a really fun, up tempo, 
country song, but it's got the it's got the lyrics that are kind of sad and heartbreaking, but at the same <laughs> time it's just uh the music itself is just really really fun and uh energetic. And uh that's kind of what I'm referring to. So is that exclusive to that one song or being that you said you grew up listening to that, would you say that if people listened to enough Shelby Lilo music, they would kind of sense that influence throughout your different releases? Yeah, I think so, you know, and um, honestly, that's always been a huge influence of mine, and you go back to my first record, you'll hear a little bit of that influence in there, but uh, the more I I write music, the more I decide to record and put out music as an artist myself, um, if I'm wanting to represent myself truly and honestly, it's going to have more of that vibe to it because that's just the country music that I love, you know, that um, kind of traditional older style of, of country. I'm, I'm hoping folks will, will hear, uh, you know, uh, at least a hint of that in the stuff that I'm releasing nowadays. Okay. Okay. Well, listeners, sometimes on this show, I will mention, for example, the number of countries where the show has gotten listeners from last week. I had mentioned that, the prior week, episode 356, was actually my 500th all-time podcast episode as a host when you factor in some other shows. And on a related note, the last three weeks, you've heard me mentioning someone else's podcast. Specifically, here's a man who has had what you might call a most varied career as a composer and record producer. And here's a podcast that was published only a month ago and has already been downloaded in 38 countries around the world twice nominated for a Tony Award on Broadway and with a million-selling record to his credit and winner of the New York Theater Critics Drama Desk Award, Peter Link is who I'm referring to. He has seen great success in film scoring, Broadway musicals, pop music, gospel, television, and he's even written ballets for the Joffrey Ballet. Now he is presenting his life work in a series of podcasts called Scattershot Symphony, The Music of Peter Link, And although each episode is 90% music, he does manage to entertain with fascinating stories and anecdotes related to his music over the years. Each episode looks at a different movement in the symphony of his life's work. So if you love music, which you obviously do, which is why you listen to Now Hear This Entertainment, and let's face it, who doesn't love music? You're going to love getting an insider's listen to the work, the music, the stories around a life in music. That's Scattershot Symphony the music of Peter Link. Look for that wherever you get podcasts. Meanwhile, here on NHTE 358, it's Shelby Lee Lowe. And Shelby, congratulations. I mentioned in the intro that you put out new music two months ago. Share with the audience about that release, the number of songs, who worked on it with you, where it was recorded, those type of details. For sure. Well, um, something in me we released back October... 16th I believe it was and um, has three songs on it including that first one you played for us uh, You're Not Gone and one called Something In Me the title track and uh, probably the lead single called um, You Could Have Fooled Me and I uh, I worked with my producer Andrew Scott Wills to get the ball rolling on that project and I actually co-wrote Something In Me and Could Have Fooled Me with um Andrew Scott Wills and um, co-wrote something in me with a guy by the name of Rick Huckabee 
and co-wrote Could Have Fooled Me with a uh, songwriter by the name of David Ross. And um, we uh, we got together at Ampersound Studios in Hermitage, Tennessee, just right outside of uh, a little north of Nashville, and uh, recorded those three songs and had a great time. And um, actually, one of the co-writers, Rick Huckabee, uh, his voice is doing the uh, the background vocals on all three songs ah. and he did a fantastic job on it so uh it's a really cool process some great musicians on on the record and um just really really pleased with the way it turned out i think it fits what i want to do that you know as good if not better than anything i've ever released now when you mentioned the different co-writers on this you said that you went to the studio but did you write the songs in advance, say, sitting down somewhere else? Was it, no, we actually recorded them at the studio? Like, when and how were these songs written with the different writers that you mentioned? Yeah, uh, well, probably, um, I think around January or February of this year, I had a co-write on uh, Music Row with my producer, Andrew Scott Wills, and uh, David Ross, and... We came up with the song "You Could Have Fooled Me," and that was a uh, a hook idea that Andy brought forth. And um, didn't really know what it meant, but I, I, <laughs> he just thought it was a cool um, song title. And um, you know, for me, I, I, I was wanting to write a kind of a relationship song, but something that was kind of angsty. Mm. And um, so, "You Could Have Fooled Me," I I, I think the three of us got put our heads together and come up with the idea where it's, um, you know, two friends, a guy and a girl that, that meet each other at a dance club every week. And, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more, it's, it gets complicated cause they're, they want, one of them wants to be more than friends and the other one does it. And, uh, that's how you could have fooled me came about. And we wrote that in January hmm. and, um, something in me, we wrote, a little bit later on there is this was after quarantine so uh the world shut down trying to figure things out and we decided we we're going to start doing some zoom and skype co-writing ah. and um so me my producer andy and rick huckabee did a zoom uh co-write probably in april maybe may hmm. and um that, something to me was that was an idea that i'd had you've been fooling around with one of the good good things to come out of quarantine was uh, a little extra time to pick around on guitar and just come up with ideas so that was one of them that i had let me jump in here and, for a minute um, I, w I want to interrupt you for sure. two reasons number one listeners i'm going to warn you at the end of this episode i'm going to absolutely gush about that song that shelby is referring to something in me so just I, be prepared. I, I warned you early that I'm going to just fall all over Shelby in that song because it's tremendous. But secondly is, Shelby, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about writing over Zoom or Skype because I've heard arguments on both sides of the fence, people that say, well, you know, under those conditions, what else can you do? And I've also heard people who say, no, you just can't do a co-write with somebody over Zoom or Skype because, you know, you spend so much time when you do a face-to-face co-write sitting in a room just kind of staring at the wall for a long, long period of time, you know, while you're thinking of ideas, and it gets really awkward doing that over Zoom or Skype. So just talk about what you went through writing that song as you just described. 
for sure. You know, and um, you know, a Zoom or Skype co-write is never ideal. I do prefer you know, writing a song with somebody in person. Um, but you know, with the the way things were at that time, I've I've gone back to writing with most folks in person. I still do Zoom writes mm. here and there, but um, yeah, it's 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 the kind of thing where it doesn't normally go that great. Uh, writing with somebody that I don't know that well, mm. but uh, luckily, you know, I've written with my my producer Andy uh, hundreds of times now, probably, and we wow. have a great rapport. Okay, and uh, we've we've already written songs we love with Rick Huckabee, so it's it's definitely more ideal to write over Zoom or Skype with somebody that you uh, you just write well with already, okay. Okay. and you already know real well. But for somebody brand new, it would be uh, it, it, it's a little more awkward with somebody that you just started writing with. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, great, great insight, great insight. Before we move on, by the way, talk also about another project of yours from earlier this year, and shame on me, this time I'm not remembering right this minute who it was, but there was someone on the show recently who was talking to me about having released a double single, and I, for some reason I even want to say that this person did it twice. But Shelby, earlier this year, May 1st to be exact, you released Joy Juice Number 2 Pack single. Talk about that release and why you decided to do that instead of just splitting the songs up and doing two separate single releases. Yeah. Um, so around the time... Um, you know, we, I, me and my team, my manager, Ryan, and uh, producer Andy, we're uh, brainstorming how we're going to take on this year. And we had some certain plans on how we were going to take over 2020. <laughs> and uh, that all just kind of went out the window, obviously, with the, the crazy pandemic. So um, didn't know we didn't really know when we'd be able to go back into the studio and didn't really know... Uh, you know, early on, when we're planning that release, this was everything was brand new, so we didn't know how long it was going to be or what was going to happen. So uh, we decided we wanted to just instead of just okay, we're going to take 2020 off and we're just going to uh, call it a wash and pick back up next year. We're going we were going to try to keep the momentum going and just really try to keep pushing forward. And, but not knowing when we'd be able to go back in the studio, um, we decided that we wanted to release um, song one one song that we had wrote and recorded uh, a few months prior called Pews and Poles, a song that I'd written about uh, my hometown, Cornersville, Tennessee, and um, trying to decide if we wanted to release something with it. And... Uh, a crazy song I wrote with some buddies of mine called Astro Van was uh, a song that I had demoed the day of the co-write and we decided just to you know, it, it's a weird song probably the weirdest song I have ever released <laughs> and the uh, production on it was crazy but we just decided that you know it's a crazy weird year and um, you know I, my fans probably need something to distract them let's just release that song even though it's a demo and let's release pews and poles and see what people think about it and um you know pews and poles has been uh one of the more popular releases i've had and a lot of people are um that's a pretty crazy weird song too so um <laughs> I, I think i was just kind of uh giving people a 
just a little little insight to uh, my weird brain, I guess. Okay, okay. Now, for the benefit of the audience members who are just fans of music in general, or I like to say sometimes music interviews, when you say there was some crazy production on the one song, explain to those people who aren't in the business what some examples of what that means when you say there was some crazy production on it. Well, um, if you... If, if somebody goes and listens to the song Astro Van, um, it, I mean, they're going to hear it right away. Just, um, we did some, just, you know, we, it started out as a demo. So we were just really being brave and <laughs> trying some weird stuff on it, not knowing if anybody would ever hear it or not. But, uh, uh my guitar player that co-wrote the song with me, Parker Daniel, um, he did some really wild, crazy, um, stuff on his guitar with some weird effects, uh, including he uh, he he spoke some stuff into his his guitar, his pickup. Wow! And uh, actually screamed into the pickup of his guitar, <laughs> and uh, it made like you could hear his voice through the pickup of his guitar, and it has that uh, that guitar effect on his voice, mm. and it's kind of trippy, and. Um, <laughs> It's a little, it's a little psychedelic, and the uh, the lyrics of the song itself are just a, um, it's kind of a cautionary tale about um, a small town drug dealer, mm. and um, in East Texas, and um, it's all just a completely made up story. But I, I, to tell you the truth, I was driving in Texas a few years ago when I was on my way to a show. And I drove by this tiny little liquor store called Joy Juice Number Two, and it just—it looked like, it looked like just a weird redneck little store. And for some reason, I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a song someday uh, about Joy Juice Number Two, <laughs> and we we came up with Astro Van. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, wow, <laughs> you have done throughout the pandemic what to some struggling performers would be a decent amount of shows, even if for someone like you, it's not what you're used to. For the benefit of those in the audience who are aspiring performers, how have you pulled this off? The the biggest gap was just a 12-week period from the end of March to late June, and yet I know there are lots and lots of performers who have just sat and sat and sat and sat with no live dates, unfortunately. How are you still able to get so much work? Well, um, I guess I'm just lucky for one, but also I've, um, you know, I decided that I was going to try to play as many shows as I could where in places where, um, you know, they, they were allowing shows to happen and, you know, socially distancing. And honestly, some of the shows that I ended up playing, there wasn't that much social distancing or, um, much thought of covid they didn't even really care about it so i I guess i'm i'm either immune to the virus or i'm extremely lucky because i've i've been in some situations where you know i was just in big crowds and didn't realize i was going to be but um i've been i've been playing smaller shows and um less full band things because it's just it's tough for venues it's tough for uh, anybody to to have a full band 
especially when uh, you're forced to do you know less capacity usually so i've been i've been playing a lot of acoustic shows and um it's been treating me well but i decided i was going to play as many shows as i could and i was going to use that money i made to promote my my release of uh, Uh. something in me so yeah, and listeners, I think Shelby's also being humble and, and not giving himself credit because when we first met a little over three years ago, I could tell right away this is someone who is just fiercely driven and just tremendously committed to his career. So, Shelby, hats off to you because I think it's just also a testimony to how hard you work at your music that you made sure that you got as many shows as you could under the circumstances. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been good. You know, I... Um... I've got a I've got a good little fan base growing in, in Southern Middle Tennessee, and they take good care of me. And um, you know, I I can I can just show up with my guitar and a, and a speaker, and play these shows for folks, and and still, um, I guess I'm doing a good enough job to where they keep wanting to have me back. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I'm obviously I'm uh, I am super ready to start playing some bigger full band shows. And I would love to start touring and opening up for folks that I look up to, and um, you know, I, I'm that's those those are goals of mine. So, mm-hmm. uh, but in the meantime, I'm gonna just uh, I think even when I'm playing by myself to a room of you know 20 people, um, I'm just it's it's practice for me. I get to mm. uh, work on my craft and I get to learn new songs. And I, I play a lot of, you know, I play originals and covers, so mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a good it's a good experience for me. But it brings up an interesting point, though. Even though you said there were a few places that maybe looked the other way on social distancing, by and large, we know that most places are doing that. So I'm interested to hear about your experience being on the stage at a time when crowds, if you can even call them that now, being on the stage at a time when crowds are obviously much, much smaller due to those capacity limits and social distancing and other impacts from the pandemic, is it tougher to get motivated on stage knowing, A, what everybody has been going through, but looking out from the stage and not seeing the crowd sizes that you're used to and being able to feel the energy from them that you're used to? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I played a show not long ago at a venue in Memphis and I'm used to the place being um you know packed wall to wall pretty much and um I usually play their full band but this time I play their acoustic and um the place was pretty well empty but um you know I just kind of had to uh, I I just had to have a moment on stage where I just decided where I wasn't going to let that affect me and I was just going to uh you know, perform the best that I could and really just kind of go the extra mile and show out up there because, you know, it's, it's if I, uh, if I let that get in your, in, in my head too much, it really will affect the way you perform. And, um, you know, for the few people that did come to see me, I wanted them to, you know, come away with it. Like, man, he can, you know, he, he's just as good by himself as he is with a band. And, uh, he didn't let, being you know 20 30 people in this place uh deter him he still put on a great show and uh you know i take pride in that i want i want to always give the best effort i can when i'm i'm playing a gig yeah that's awesome that's awesome well you've touched on something a couple times that 
I'd just like to kind of hear your thoughts on, which is that you said, I'm ready. I want to get back out on the road. I want to have a full band behind me. I want to open up for some major acts. But you've also said, I have done some solo shows. And another guest on NHTE, and darn it, this is twice now in the same episode that a name is escaping me. Someone else talked about one of the impacts of the pandemic being that artists who were used to going out and performing with a full band behind them will unfortunately go forward as predominantly a solo act. I wonder, you know, it's probably hard to forecast, as as I'm thinking going to be your answer, you know, in terms of what does live touring look like for Shelby Lilo in 2021? I mean, maybe you know some others that this is happening to, be it artists, or maybe you even know some players who are saying, you know, yeah, I'm not getting the work anymore that I'm used to getting. Yeah, um, you know, I do believe that, I do think that there's probably going to be more uh, solo acoustic shows happening. Um, for one, just the uh, the budget of uh, entertainment buyers and, and venues, uh, it's going to be less to, um, you know, everybody's trying to make up for this year and the money lost. And I know venues are, are hurting hard. So it, it just costs more to book a, a full band than it does a, a single person or two people to play a show. And also, you know, with the, the crowds, um, probably throughout next year, most places won't have a full capacity. It's just hard to make the kind of money to afford a full band, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do see that being, being a thing, you know, and I'm trying to just embrace it while I can and just make the most of whatever happens. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from just outside Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player Shelby Lee Lowe. Visit his official website at shelbyleelowe.com. And, of course, I will have a link for it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on Shelby's website, wow, he is on lots and lots of other platforms that you'll find links to there. For starters, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, among others. As you heard earlier, two months ago, he put out a three-song release called Something in Me, which you can purchase now from iTunes, Apple Music, the usual online music retailers. Of course, his music is streaming on Spotify, so sure, go ahead and follow Shelby on there. But the better way to support him is to purchase his music from the outlets I was mentioning Keep up with Shelby online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. December 18th, he will be in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. And on New Year's Eve, he will be in Hazel Green, Alabama. Do also go back and listen to the interview that Shelby and I did on episode 183 when we sat down together at the 2017 Summer NAM show in Nashville. This episode is being released nine days before Christmas. Yikes. A lot of you will still be scrambling to get some gifts, so I'd have to remind you that any shopping that you do at all through Amazon any time of year, you hear me say this every week, do please support me in this show by starting first on my show website, nhte.net. Scroll down to the tall Amazon banner and click or tap that to get taken to Amazon, and then at the end of the transaction, at no extra cost to you, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me which helps with the expenses that I have for doing this show every week for just short of seven years now. It's completely private, by the way, so I don't know who bought through my banner or what was purchased or how much was spent. 
I would greatly, greatly appreciate your taking just that one little extra step anytime you're going to purchase from them. Again, on the website for this show, nhte.net, just scroll down to the tall Amazon banner and tap or click that to start your shopping with them and help me out in the process. Shelby, your upcoming and past live dates are available through Bands in Town, and it's interesting to see that they have adjusted as a result of the pandemic to where listeners, when you look Shelby up on there, the tab for upcoming events also says and live streams. So Shelby, I'm guessing you probably did live streams too during the pandemic. I'm wondering how did those go? Did you like them? Did you not like them? What did you like? What did you learn? Maybe what platforms or software were you using? Just share with the audience your experiences with live streaming. Absolutely. Yeah, I did quite a few and um, probably would have went better if I lived somewhere where I could actually get some decent internet. I kind of live not too far out in the boonies, but far enough to where I'm in a weird uh, valley where I don't get internet. Uh. And uh, my phone just a little bit, but not, not great. So uh, I probably froze up more than I would have liked, but for the most part, um, I had some really good Facebook live streams and I've got some really supportive fans that have, uh, you know, sent me tips and everything else to help me get through this pandemic a little bit, which was uh, greatly appreciated. And, um, you know, I'm still finding new ways to uh, do live streams and make them fresh and uh, did quite a few of them in the back of my uh, touring van. So I kind of set it up as a little studio and recorded quite a few videos in it. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. Well, let's shift from bands in town to a couple of other platforms. I mentioned that you are on a bunch of different social media channels, and one of them that I didn't say is Snapchat. How have you found that to be in terms of something that an artist such as yourself can benefit from? Has it been helpful to you? And if so, how? Or would you maybe say not so much? Believe it or not, I actually don't have Snapchat. You don't? Nope. Because there's a logo for it at the bottom of your website. Uh, well, I need to take that off then, because I don't, I don't have Snapchat. But, um, you know, I think it's just another thing where, you know, I think I'm sure artists can find a, you know, a, a way to focus time on it and help grow fans. Uh, for me, uh, I just haven't had the um, the time for for Snapchat, but. Um, now, TikTok, I have actually been on TikTok, uh, and uh, I'm starting to learn learn how that works, and uh, I've enjoyed the content I've seen on there, and I've posted a few silly things myself, and uh, <laughs> going to be posting more, more music stuff, music-related stuff in the near future. Okay, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, because Snapchat, we rarely talk about in the show, and I feel like it has been a little bit since I've asked a guest about using TikTok, and I feel like some of those conversations that I was having were ending up in the bonus content that I was recording for Patreon, so I wanted to ask you if you tried TikTok out at all to to further promote yourself, which to me, from what I've seen, and I don't even have it on my phone, I've just had to kind of look over my wife's shoulder and learn what I can that way, but it does look like for someone like you, where people can make videos and put Shelby Lee Low music to it, it might be a good vehicle for more people to discover the music that you're creating. Absolutely, and that's one of my favorite things is when somebody makes a video and puts my music in it. So uh, I greatly appreciate that. 
So I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you pop Shelby Lee Low into Google, and I'm talking about on desktop, I didn't try this on mobile, but the knowledge panel, as they call it, on the right-hand side has a line that says record label, Banner Music Records. So I wondered when I saw that if you're still with them or not, and, and if you're not, that's okay, because this is another potential teaching moment for those in the audience who are aspiring performers to learn sort of how slash why these things sometimes don't last indefinitely. So are you with Banner Music Records or no? I, I am not with Banner Music Records at the moment, and uh, I've, I've seen that on the on the knowledge panel, and um, I'm going to have to figure out how to how to get that changed over. But um, but yeah, yeah. I um, I worked with Banner. I think the last the last time I spoke to you, I was still with Banner, and I think I worked with them from uh, 2015 to uh, 2018, I believe. So I've been independent completely for the last uh, two and a half years or so, and uh, it's been a good journey. You know, I'm uh, definitely thankful for the time I spent working with Banner and uh, learned a lot about songwriting mm. and uh, being an artist. So it was, a, it was a good time for sure. You know, it's interesting. As common sense as that sounds, I don't really know that I've heard anyone talk that way and say, I was with a record label, now, I am, now I'm on my own, but I've learned so much from being on the label that it's actually helped me in going forward as an independent artist, and I think that's what you're telling us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So is is it a case of I'm perfectly fine where I am now, or is it, you know, everybody wants a, a label deal, I'd love to get back on another label? Well, I'm definitely, uh, I'm trying to navigate the waters the best I can independently, and I'm really trying to set myself up uh, for one day, you know, being pretty self-sufficient, but uh, anytime you, get, you have an opportunity to work with... Um, a, a company like a record label or a uh, booking agent or a publishing company that um, believes in you and wants to push your career forward, if it's the right fit, I would absolutely love to to uh, work on that. Yeah, and I think that's probably the answer that I anticipated, but I had to ask anyways because I do want those out there in the audience who listen to learn from me and my guests every week to know that some people will say, you know what, I'm perfectly content being an independent artist and I don't really know that I'm looking for a record label and they'll say, you know, for what reason that is. I did want to also mention that back on episode 338 of this show, listeners, if you are an aspiring performer, go back and listen to the interview I did with Jack Foreman. He is the president of Bicoastal Productions. It's a New York City-based concert and theatrical booking agency that'll give you some perspective when you heard shelby mention a minute ago about having a booking agent and what that does for your career and so jack kind of talks about that but he also gave kind of his own when shelby was talking before about what he thinks you're going to see in 2021 in terms of live shows because of the pandemic and what that has caused jack made some good points on our interview as well about what he's forecasting for the business, for the industry going forward, presumably once the pandemic dies down. I also want to mention that a lot of times I try to find an entertainment angle to talk about on the podcast when I'm telling you about the Access Vegas newsletter, just because it seems to make sense. This is an entertainment podcast after all. But I want to make clear, they report on a lot more than just entertainment items in there. If you're a foodie, 
There's lots of food-related content in there. The latest issue even talked about the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and when that will be at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Plus, they had an item on the reconceptualized Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, now accepting reservations, including what term they use instead of rooms. All this and lots more when you subscribe. Go to my show website, nhte.net, and click on the Access Vegas logo. And during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Access Vegas comes conveniently to your email inbox. Plus, in between issues, you'll have access to their private Facebook group. I'm chuckling a little bit because I was just in there the other day reading and liking and clicking a lot of different posts that they had up. So much to read, so much to learn. Go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Shelby, I mentioned in the intro that you have been working on more new music, which will be released in 2021. What kind of details are you at liberty to give out at this point? Are we talking about singles that you'll be releasing? Will it be an EP, an album, maybe number of songs, potential release date, those kind of things? Sure. So um, I'm pretty positive I'm going to be releasing a single sometime around um, Valentine's Day this next year. And um, after that, I'm working on a uh, project potentially uh, in the the months after that, probably in the spring, more like a um, uh, either a full-length album or a six-song EP type of deal. Mm. But uh, I've already written quite a few songs I love, and I've already uh, I've been setting on some that I've been waiting to release. So uh, a lot of good things have been uh, have been happening, and I'm trying to trying to make more happen. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. Talk about songwriting from the standpoint of when you mentioned you have a single that'll probably come out around Valentine's Day, the knee-jerk reaction I think is for a listener to say oh, he's probably going to write a song or he probably already did that sort of like a love song, something that would be good to release on Valentine's Day. If you're a songwriter should you target occasions like that and say, okay, I'm deadline-driven, this will motivate me I should write a song that fits with that theme to release around that holiday, or is it Bruce, you know what, you just got to write songs when they come to you and don't worry about trying to align with a special occasion. Well, I definitely think there's a time and place to um, to be thinking about those occasions and write for it. Um, because of the timeline, a lot of Christmas songs are written in the summertime. So if you are even, if you're thinking about writing a Christmas, like putting out a Christmas record, or you're um, you're writing for an artist that's looking to release uh, a Christmas song, they're going to be releasing that song probably the end of November or early December, like everybody else. You uh, you're going to need to be writing that song probably in the summertime or earlier to get the uh, song recorded and get the production and uh, everything done that you need to get done before the release. So uh, there are, there are occasions where you think about a event like that. Uh, I think the Valentine's Day thing would just be kind of a coincidence on this occasion. Okay. But, um, you know, I, it, w- it will be a song that's Valentine's Day appropriate. I think that I think it makes a lot of sense to put out a song that makes sense for Valentine's Day around that time frame. 
Could you not also make the argument, though, when you were talking about Christmas time, there might be an artist out there right now who is hearing a lot of Christmas music and kicking themselves and saying, darn it, I really should have put out a Christmas release. So wouldn't this be a good time anyways to write some Christmas stuff and say, you know what, even if I don't record it for another 10 months, like now is when I'm feeling it and it's going to be easier for me to write it in December than it is in June. Oh, for sure, yeah. If you're feeling, if you're in the Christmas spirit right now, and you have a song idea come to you, um, you probably should go ahead and write it because you might even forget about it by the summertime. Mm, yeah, yeah, great point, great point. Well, we're going to close with another song from the three-song project released in October. But Shelby, here I go. I, I first have to go out of my way to tell you how much I really, really liked this song when you sent it to me. And those in the audience who've been listening to this show for a long time know that when there's a song by a guest that I really like, I say it. And then I always add that if I don't gush about a song like I want to for this one of yours, it doesn't mean I didn't like it. It just means that there are some that, wow, I, I really wish I had made up a playlist called Great Songs Played on NHTE, because this one would be on there. So before we wrap up here, tell the listeners all about the song Something in Me. Yeah, well, hey Bruce, if you wind up making that playlist, I'll be a, I'll be on the lookout for it, man. I'll follow <laughs> you. So. Um, but yeah, something to me. This is a song that I wrote during quarantine, and um, you know, I wrote it in my in my bedroom over Skype, and it just felt it felt really good after we wrote it. You know, it just felt um, it just felt like a uh, I don't know. It, it it it's hard to explain, but it just felt like a song that I needed to release. And it kind of set forward in motion the idea of putting out a project called Something in Me. And that's when we decided to uh, to release uh, Could Have Fooled Me. And then we were taking pitches and writing songs, and we come across You're Not Gone and thought it just kind of fit perfectly in there with it, give it a little different uh, texture to that, that project. But Something in Me is just a uh, – really comes from the heart. It's um, – pretty it's really sincere and uh it's just the 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 thought of um getting love from someone when you don't even really think you deserve it you know and and somebody's love making you a better person and uh i believe a lot of people can probably relate to that well and let me say i hope others are saying this as well but this song belongs on the radio this song belongs in the clubs there's a big club here in tampa called the dallas bowl they should be playing this song there. It's a really great job, so a uh, really great song. So congratulations on not only this song but on the release. And happy holidays to you, Shelby. Merry Christmas. It's been great having you back on the show. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me again, Bruce. Good talking to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Shelby Lee Lowe do visit his official website at shelbyleelow.com. And again, I will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land there among the various content he has, you will find icons to go engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram. We didn't even talk about his YouTube channel, but do go there and subscribe, plus watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Shelby you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. 
The newest release is a three-song project called Something in Me and is available on Apple Music, iTunes, all digital platforms. As I said before, his music is streaming on Spotify, but remember, the better way to support Shelby is to purchase downloads of his music. Plus, he even has merchandise for sale on his website. And remember, too, that he does have live shows coming up December 18th in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and New Year's Eve in Hazel Green, Alabama. Be sure to also go back and listen to the first interview that Shelby and I had done live on location at the 2017 Summer NAM show in Nashville. That was episode 183. I'll put a link to that, too, on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Keep up with Shelby online. As you've heard, he's been doing a lot of live shows, and he will continue to do so into the new year. So that way you'll be notified where and when he'll be performing in 2021. A reminder again, especially now with Christmas just over a week away, anytime you're going to buy anything at all from Amazon, do please start first by going to my show website, nhte.net, and scroll down to the tall Amazon banner. Tap or click that, and you'll be taken to Amazon. And then at the end of the transaction, at no extra cost to you, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the expenses that I have for putting out a new episode of this podcast every week for what in two months will be seven years. If you want to email me via podcast at nhte.net to tell me that you made a purchase from Amazon by clicking through my banner, that would be awesome. Thank you. It's always nice to hear from listeners. Otherwise, thanks to privacy policies, it's totally anonymous. Amazon just tells me once a month how much they're sending me for people clicking through my banner. That's all. I don't know who shopped with them through my banner, what was purchased, or how much was spent And by the way, the people that you know who shop a lot from Amazon, do please ask them to do this as well. I would greatly appreciate the help. That's going to do it for episode 358. I really appreciate everyone who listens to the show every week. We will wrap up this episode with another song from Shelby Lee Lowe. This is the one you just heard him talk about. It's called Something in Me. How do you love Desperado? How can you fall for highway hard? Who'd have thought on my tomorrows Would be waking up in my two arms But baby, you saw something in me Not just a long gone lost cause Train running off the tracks You set me free When I had it so wrong Drink you never had a dusty bottle on the shelves. Some newer town you would have passed if you were anybody else. Oh baby, you saw something in me, not just a long gone. So wrong.
There's something to me when I look in your eyes. I see. Something in me. Something in me. 